You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Through Enoch, we learn how to maintain great faith during the mundane routines of life. Learn more about this message in week two of our series, Great Faith. This is our series entitled Great Faith. Uh, we're talking about men uh, in the Bible, particularly that found, those found in Hebrews chapter 11. But before we get to the word, uh, last week we actually had a pastor's retreat. I went to uh, Balay Indang, somewhere there in Cavite. And uh, it was the first time that we actually had a retreat like this. Uh, you know, I've been in the ministry for the past 29 years, and normally the pastors' retreat we have are like strategic planning retreats or you know activity type retreats. But this this time, uh, Thursday to Saturday, the agenda of the retreat was just to rest, and it was kind of new to us because we're not used to resting. Uh, you know, our ministry is like a high, you know, high energy type of ministry. You want to plant churches, want to raise disciples, uh, raise leaders, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, disciple men uh, go to the nations. And so, uh, you know, somehow this past three days was like liberating, life-changing for us. Uh, as I said, I've been walking in the, I, I've been in the ministry for the past 29 years. I've known these men, uh, many of them for the, for such uh, time, you know, I've, I've got I've gotten saved at the age of 18, 30-something years ago, okay? And so um, uh, many of these walked as campus ministers, students, but now they're all serving the Lord. And what an amazing time just walking with one another. Uh, and one thing uh, I've learned in, the, in that retreat was one of my take-home was really sleep is God's gift to us. How many of you would agree with me on that, okay? I think we need that, okay? We need a regular Dose of good sleep. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you need that. You need, not right now. Okay, don't sleep right now. We're going to have a sermon. But, uh, you know, like last night, I was, uh, I was uh, ready to go to bed at 8.45. You know, for, that was odd. For a preaching pastor, Saturday evening, to sleep early, that was really odd for me. But I just said, I'm going to be liberated. I'm going to sleep. Enjoy the rest of God. And I just woke up this morning fresh. And, uh, you know, if God rested after seven days, uh, after six days of, uh, uh, sorry, creation, on the seventh he rested, how about us? And he did not rest because he got tired. He, got, he rested because he wanted to enjoy the beauty of his creation. He wanted to have fellowship with man. At the same time, he wanted to rule over mankind and the universe. Speaking of rulership, we just had our Pambansang Kamao. Uh, well, how many of you know that once again, we want to congratulate our dear Senator Manny Pacquiao. Congratulations. That's why our service is fuller now than this morning. <laughs> I don't want to ask why, but uh, you, know, you know the drill. And uh, you know, we, we are so excited. Uh, Manny at 40 is still able to win a um, a great match against his opponent. And so I believe that this uh, is a great time for Manny to uh, retire and be part of the Hall of Fame. Uh, speaking of Hall of Fame, how many of you love basketball? Please raise your hand. You like basketball, whether PBA or, uh, you know, if you're... If your team is still Hinebra, I think uh, you need to upgrade already. Uh, or NBA, okay? Or NBA, you know, I, I like watching basketball. There's such a thing as Basketball Hall of Fame. And uh, this is actually Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame found in Springville, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, 
somewhere there, Massachusetts, I think. And so these are, you know, where, this is where the, you know, the great ball players, uh, coaches, and even actually referees are recognized. And uh, particularly the class of 2009 uh, was one of those highlights because it was a class wherein Michael Jordan was being uh, inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame together with uh, Stockton and Dave Robinson and uh, Coach Sloan. Uh, Jordan, it says, uh, all inductees made it a memorable night, but it was the enshrinement of Michael Jordan uh, that brought more people and more buzz than the actual induction event itself. So that's you know, what uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame uh, is all about. But in the Bible, there is such a thing as Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Men and women in the Bible who have you know, gone into great heights and extended and has uh, processed great faith. Everybody say great faith again. Great faith. In order for them to be recognized in Hebrews chapter 11, and we see people like Abel and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, uh, and Moses and, and, and even Rahab and all those who were unmentioned because they have done such a great feat and exploits for God. Today we're going to be looking at a character who's also found in the Hebrews Hall of Faith. This particular character's name is Enoch. Everybody say Enoch. How many of you are familiar with Enoch? Some of you are familiar with Enoch. Some of you don't even know who Enoch is. And maybe some of us are wondering, Enoch, why is he part of the Hebrews Hall of Faith. In fact, the subtitle of my message is How to Maintain Great Faith During the Mundane Routines of Life. How many of you have a regular routine in life? Please raise your hand. I mean, tomorrow, how many of you are going to work tomorrow? I hope you will, okay? <laughs> or, or maybe you're, you're going to school, right? I'm not going to work tomorrow because tomorrow is my day off. I'm working today. But you know, the, the regular mundane things in life, can we really show great faith in the regular mundane routines in life. And we will see that in the life of Enoch. And somehow, it'll answer the question why he was even considered by God to be qualified in the Hebrews Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And so uh, we're going to be looking at his uh, life story. And uh, if you have your Bibles, would you kindly open to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 5 to 6, Hebrews chapter 11. If you need a Bible, I think uh, we have extra Bibles. Just kindly lift up your hand uh, if you want to borrow a Bible or if you want to just go ahead and look at the Bible of the person beside you. Okay? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 to 6. Anyone who needs a Bible? Okay, our ushers are standing by. All right. I guess everybody has a Bible. Okay, whether digital or uh, paper Bible, that's fine. Okay, I'd like to invite everyone to stand as we give reverence to the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. Let's begin from verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Let's read the verse 6 all together out loud. Ready? One, two, three. 
and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we are so grateful for this time together. My prayer, Lord God, is that we will not just hear the word preached, but that it will find its place uh, in our life so that we can actually apply it. And I thank you, Lord, that you will anoint the preaching of your word today, Holy Spirit, once again. We ask, Lord God, that you will give us a deeper revelation of who you are and your impact in our lives. Help us to, just like Enoch, walk with you and be considered a man and a woman of faith. This we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. Sorry, Okay, so we're looking at great faith, and we're looking at uh, particularly this chapter on Hebrews uh, 11. Uh, last week, we uh, took the time to also look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, the very last verses. But, you know, the design of the author of Hebrews, of course, we are not sure who authored Hebrews, whether it's the Apostle Paul or somebody else. But somehow, we know for a fact that the Hebrew writer was so concerned about the, the walk of faith of the Hebrew believers. Many of them are going through difficulties. Many of them are going and facing a lot of persecution. Uh, last week we talked about some of them being plundered with their properties, but they joyfully uh, just allowed that to happen because they were sharing in the suffering of Christ. And so this Hebrew writer is writing this particular chapter, chapter 11, to convince the Hebrew readers that faith is the only way to approach God. And there's no other way. You can't approach God by coming to church. You cannot approach God by giving more in the offering. You cannot approach God by being kind to the poor, and although God commends that as true religion in James chapter 1, you cannot approach God by just showing Him your good works because how many of you know without faith, it is impossible to please God? Faith is the only transaction acceptable to God in heaven. We got saved by faith. We are walking by faith. We will finish this race by faith. That's why Hebrews chapter 11 has taken the time to give us a picture of regular folks, men and women, uh, who are you know, exemplary in their walking out of faith. But yet, this particular guy named Enoch uh, is kind of odd to us because he didn't really do a lot of mighty things for God, but yet the Bible says that he pleased him. And so, in fact, even the reminder of uh, Hebrew, the Hebrew writer is this in, in verse 38 of chapter 10, but my righteous one shall live by faith. You know, if I ask you if you're righteous, I think we can boldly say that we're righteous not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And He has clothed us with His righteousness. But yet, when you talk about that, that acceptance of the grace of God really takes faith. You know, how, how sure are we that we are going to heaven? How many of you know, if, how many of you are sure that you're going to heaven someday? Please raise your hand. About more than half of us. Okay, now let me ask you this question again. Now, how many of you are sure that you are going to heaven? You're sure? Okay, great. 
Now, my question is, why are you so sure about that? Did an angel appear to you? Did, you know, was there like a message from the bottle, you know, from God, you know, or it's by faith. We know exactly that one day we will meet God and when we end our life here, we will be facing God. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord, the Bible says. And it is all found in Scripture when God gives us a promise, I believe by faith that He is faithful with everything that He has promised us. And that's exactly why we can stand uh, you know, in this life and say, yes, I believe and I'm sure. And it's not arrogance, it's not overconfidence when we say that I'm going to heaven. It, you know, because, not because of what I've done, because of what Jesus Christ did, right? The righteous one shall live by faith. We started this walk, we're continuing this walk, we're ending this walk by faith. And if it shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him, God says. Now, we have to remind ourselves what faith is all about. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, convictions of things not seen. And there are many times that the people in the Bible, particularly in Hebrews chapter 11, some of those guys did not even see what was promised. Abraham was promised Canaan, yes. He walked the land of Canaan, but it was really his descendants who actually entered the promised land eventually during the time of Joshua. And so there are, you know, sometimes uh, a lot of waiting involved when you talk about faith. How many of you are still waiting for an answer to your prayers? Please raise your hand. And, you know, that's exactly what faith is. Part of faith is waiting, though it is not seen. It's a conviction of things, things not seen. It is something that you hope for, even if you are not seeing it yet in the natural. Now, in order for us to find out why Enoch qualified in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith, we have to go back to the very story where we find Enoch, which is in Genesis chapter 5. He's one of, our, he's one of the patriarchs who walked uh, before the flood. And so we find his story uh, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, there are only a few places in the Bible where you find, you're going to find Enoch. In Hebrews 11, Genesis chapter 5, and also one in, in Jude, uh, verse 14. But, you know, we, we, we'll read, when, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. So Methuselah came from him. Methuselah happens to be the longest living person in the history of mankind. His age is 969 years old. How many of you would like to live that long? Okay na lang, okay? Okay na rin ako kay, you know, kay Lord, okay? And then in verse 22, Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. In verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. What a story. Twice it was said here that Enoch walked with God, then no more. Because God took him away. He just simply vanished on the face of the earth. How many of you would like to go like that? Para na teleport ka, you got teleported you know, from earth to heaven. And he just reported to heaven just like that. You know, we notice that, as I said, Enoch walked with God. And how does this qualify for Enoch to 
be part of the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. Now, how many of you would actually say that you are walking with God right now? Please raise your hand. Wala nang gusto magtaas ng kamay. Ayaw tayong kunin ni Lord, di ba? You know, honestly speaking, you know, how many of you are walking with God? We're gonna, we're gonna look at what does it mean for anyone to walk with God? But first, let's just focus on Genesis chapter 5 because this is an interesting story. Okay? Uh, if you look at the genealogy of Enoch, Enoch is actually the seventh descendant from Adam. How many of you are aware? Of course, we all are, 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 all are aware that Adam was the first man created by God, right? So he's the first man who ever lived together with his uh, wife Eve and so on and so forth. But let's just examine Genesis chapter 5 and what happened to Adam and the rest of the descendants. Okay? Thus all the days, verse 5, that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Everybody say, and he died. So Adam died eventually because of the fruit of his disobedience. You know, God wanted man when he created the Garden of Eden, he placed man in the garden for them to live forever with him. However, because Man and woman chose to believe the serpent's, boy, the serpent's voice instead of God's promise. They ate the fruit and thus sin entered mankind. And so uh, eventually they died. Because God said, if you eat the fruit, you will die. And eventually they died. They didn't die right away, but eventually they died. But God's grace was still found in them because they had 930 years to live on planet Earth. And so Adam had a son named Seth, and in verse 8 it says, Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and then he what? And then he died. And then Seth had a son named Enosh. Verse 11, Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. This is actually a depressing chapter. If Hebrews 11 is the Hebrews Hall of Faith, this is the end he died chapter. In the book of Genesis. In verse 14, he had a son named Kenan. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years and he died. Verse 17, thus all the days of Mahalel were 895 years and he died. And he had another son, he had a son named Jared Mahalel. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Then suddenly, there was a break in the pattern of death in the history of mankind. Enoch was born. Jared gave birth to Enoch. And in verse 34, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch did not even taste death. Now, how many of you would like to experience that again, if I may? Raise my hands. If God can do it again, I think one day God will still do it again. In the second coming of Christ, those who are still alive will meet Him face to face. In First Thessalonians, we'll find that. But anyway, that's not what the topic is today. God took Him. I guess God was just so fond of Enoch. Sabi niya, ang cute talaga nitong batang to. Mauwi na nga. And so he did. He took Enoch because Enoch is such a man who has pleased God and who walked with God. Who is Enoch? Again, Enoch was a seventh generation descendant of Adam. He was born 
into the world 57 years after the death of Adam. He, was also, he also passed away about 69 years before Noah was born. In fact, when you talk about walking with God, there are only two individuals that were recorded to have walked with God in the Bible. First is Enoch and then Noah. The Bible says in, Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, Noah walked with God as well. He's righteous. He's a blameless man. And maybe because he got that pattern from his great-grandfather Enoch. Maybe one time he wanted to visit the grave of his grandfather, a great-grandfather, and he was looking for dad or Lolo. Where is the grave of the great-grandfather Enoch? There is no grave because God took him since he walked with God. So maybe he got inspired. Of course, this is not found in the text. I'm just making up this story. I'm just trying to imagine how could Noah, the great-grandson of Enoch, walk in such a pattern just like Enoch did. And it was in the year 987, the earth's year, when uh, he was taken into heaven about 669 years after the flood came. For 300 years, Enoch consistently and faithfully walked with God. It was said that after Methuselah was born, then he started walking. I don't know if he walked with God before Methuselah was born, but the Bible is explicit in saying that he walked with God after the birth of Methuselah. Why is Enoch an example of great faith? We're just going to very quickly just go into his life and be inspired somehow just like us. We are ordinary people. We live ordinary lives. We actually have regular routines and mundane routines of life, just like Enoch. And yet, we can find out that Enoch has pleased God and he walked with God. First is Enoch believed God. Enoch simply believed who God is. That's what we will find. Simple yet profound. This spells the difference between truth and lies. It is impossible to believe in the God that you do not know. But yet, in an age of where people were sinning before God, where people were violent, by faith, Enoch. He actually stepped out and believed who God is. The true God, the only one true God that they should actually worship. Enoch had faith. It's not just faith in himself, but faith ultimately in God. It was that time when the description of the Bible in Genesis chapter 6 was that every inclination of man's heart was evil all the time. Can you imagine? That was like the description of the Holy Spirit with man before the flood came. That's the reason why ultimately God to reset, to reset planet earth is because every inclination of man was violent and murderous and immoral all the time. Can you imagine? Like every inclination, every second of, the, of time, man was thinking about evil, violence, murder, you know, debauchery, and so on and so forth. Yet in that particular time and age, Enoch decided, I'm going to believe in God. You know, today we actually have a lot of different beliefs in God. We live in an age of skepticism. People don't even want to acknowledge that the existence of God. There's People who are agnostics or atheists. There's a lot of relativism nowadays. You know, relativism means that 
I, you know, you believe that way, good for you. I will believe this way. You know, respect my belief because there's no absolute truth. That's what they're trying to say. Truth is ultimately relative. It really depends on your culture. There's a moral relativism and there's a truth relativism. And today, you know, people are saying, you know, if you want to believe, you know, about this that leads to heaven, well and good, good for you. You know, uh, that's your belief. If you don't want to believe in heaven, good for you. That's your belief. There's somehow a similarity during the time of Enoch and even our time today. In those days, Enoch simply believed in God, even if he has not seen the Lord face to face. He believed in Him. And that's exactly what faith is. Faith is simply believing, and that's exactly what we define faith to be is. To be, uh, to be, you know, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, certainty of things not seen. He simply believed in the existence of God, and it was the thing that pleased God Himself. In our recent, uh, recent trip vacation in uh, Japan, we, we wanted to see Mount Fuji. And on our way to, the day before we went to Mount Fuji, we were riding a train, and this is what we've seen. I said, oh no, where's Mount Fuji? And there's like a thick cloud covering Mount Fuji. And that was like the day before we actually went to Mount Fuji. And so we're asking the Lord, Lord, sana, you know, show us a bit of your glory in Mount Fuji the next day. You know, somehow... That's exactly sometimes what we feel like uh, in our walk with God. There's so many uncertainties up ahead. You know, we don't see the road up ahead. You know, there's just so many things in the natural that we're not sure if what we're praying for will happen, whether it's our health, whether it's relationships, whether it's something that you're believing for your business. It's just hazy. It's cloudy. You don't see it. But how many of you know that despite the fact that you don't see the cl- it through the cloud, Mount Fuji is there anyway? Even if you don't see what's up ahead, God is with you anyway. It doesn't change the fact that the presence of that mountain is there. Even if people around the villages, around Mount Fuji don't see the mountain, they know the mountain is there. In the same way, when we walk with God, even if we don't see the things up ahead, how many of you know that despite the fact that difficulties do come, there's so many uncertainties, you know, your project is not sure if it's going to be signed, that your future, you know, you don't, you, you don't even know if it's going to be secure, but we know that God is there with us. Amen. The same God who was there last year will be the same God who will be with us this year and beyond. Come on now. That's exactly what we're celebrating. Come on, give the Lord praise. He's going to be there. Well, we were blessed because the very next day, this is the picture of Mount Fuji. We were so excited because when we went up there, we said, Lord, thank you so much for showing us just the beauty of this mountain. It's very iconic. We were able to take a picture. At this point, Bea was sick already because uh, of her exploits. <laughs> She went ahead, uh, but uh, she got tired and she was resting in the hotel when we had this visit. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, certainty of things not seen. 
Secondly, Enoch did not just believe God. Ultimately, because of his faith in God, Enoch pleased God. It was that particular time when he actually chose to please the one who created him instead of pleasing other people around him. The question for us today is, are we going to be God-pleasers or are we going to be man-pleasers? Who are we trying to please? In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, the Apostle Paul was trying to make a discourse before the uh, people of Galatia. And he said, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. It's either we please God or we please men. How many of, you know, of course, I would rather please God first. And if in the process, I please men, then I'll go first in pleasing God. You know, I, I always would like to please my wife. You know, I don't want her angry or mad. I like her happy. And somehow in our 20-something years, 29 years of just being married, I kind of know what pleases her. And I also know what does not please her. But yet, you know, we, we strive, you know, if you're married here, you strive to make it uh, to a point that you actually serve and please the one that God has um, placed you with. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, back to the original text that we've read, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having what? Pleased God. He pleased God. And as I was looking at this particular chapter, I was just asking, Lord, so what exactly did Enoch really do? You know, you look at Hebrews 11, and there's a list of ancient, uh, of Israel's uh, patriarchs, the heroes of the faith. Noah built an ark. Abraham left his country and moved on to a new territory. Sarah believed God for a baby, even in, his, in her barrenness at, at 90 years old. Isaac, he was willing to be sacrificed on the altar. Jacob, Joseph, Moses opened the Red Sea. Gideon, you know, some of them defeated, uh, you know, uh, an army like Samson. David defeated a giant. You know, Elijah called fire from heaven. But yet Enoch did not do anything. And yet he was part of Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. There's no such exploits in the, in the life of Enoch, but yet the Bible says, this ordinary man pleased God. Could it be true and be said of us that no matter how mundane your life is, no matter how repetitive or predictable your life is, you can still have faith in the Lord and you can definitely still please Him. Look at the person beside you. Just look at him or her and see how ordinary <laughs> we all are. And that's exactly what the point of this Hebrew writer is. You don't have to be a David to please God. You don't have to be a Samson or a Moses or a Noah to please God. You got to be just like an ordinary Enoch. He just believed God. He pleased God and he just walked with God. In verse 6 it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Two things that He believed in. First, He believed in the existence of God, which He did. Secondly, He also believed that God is a rewarder. How many of you are glad that God is a rewarder? But it's not just an ordinary, he's not just an ordinary reward. He rewards those who diligently and earnestly seek him. You know, when we finished our prayer and fasting, I've heard of, you know, many people just writing faith goals. And that's great. You know, we write faith goals. We are believing for, you know, by, you know, by faith. We're believing for greater things this year. We're believing for healing. We're believing for salvation for our loved ones. We're believing for, you know, uh, breakthroughs in finances, promotions in our work. And that's great. But ultimately, we do not try to replace God with the blessings. We don't want to just seek the blessings. We want to seek the one who blesses us. We do not seek God to get things, but ultimately, we seek God to get God. Timothy Keller also said it a bit differently. He said, don't obey God to get things. Obey God to get Him, to get God. And somehow, you know, what does it mean for us to please Him? Just be yourself. <laughs> Just believe in God. I was telling the congregation earlier, you know, last night I was, uh, before I slept, no, actually, when I woke up, I went to the girl's room and I saw my younger daughters sleeping. Uh, Anna and Andrea, they were just sleeping. Uh, you know, I, I allowed them to sleep a little bit longer. But, you know, as I was watching them sleep, I was just, there's a smile on my face. They're not doing anything. But yet just watching them sleep pleased me already. Their sleeping is pleasing to their father. They didn't do anything. They didn't give me anything. They didn't have to do, you know, work in the house. It's all about our relationship. And somehow just the fact that they are there is more than enough to please me. And I believe in the same way God is pleased when we believe that He exists and that we believe that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Every time my daughters come to me, and one of them is here, and ask for things, I'm actually pleased. Why? Because it's the role of a father to provide. Of course, don't ask for a car tomorrow, okay? You know, to provide for the things that they need. And they're very conscientious when they ask because they know exactly that, you know, their father will not say no to them if they ask for anything. And lastly, Enoch walked with God. He believed in God. He pleased God. And then he walked with God. God is showing us that there is so much more importance in just faithfully walking with Him regularly, more than just doing exploits for Him. It's nice if you can do exploits for God. It's nice if you can be a martyr for Jesus. It's nice if you can actually, you know, go to the hospital and raise people from the dead or, you know, pray for people and empty, you know, the emergency room and just pray for a miracle. That's great faith. But just by walking with Him is also equivalent to great faith. And that's exactly what Enoch did. Twice, as we've seen in the verses of describing his life, he walked with God. And there's a difference between walking with God and working for God. 
ultimately walking with God speaks of a relationship. Working for God is almost like a servant-master kind of relationship. Yes, we serve God. We serve His purposes. But ultimately, God doesn't just treat us as servants. He treats us as children. The very first description of John when he was describing us to those who believe Him, to those who receive Him, believe in His name, He gave the rights to become Servants of God? No, children of God. The moment that you put your faith in Him, the relationship does not become servants or slave. It becomes father and child. Relationships are never about work, but it's about the journey together. It's interesting that the analogy used by the writer is walking with God. He didn't say Run with God. You know, Pastor Jansen, or actually Pastor Ferdy, is an ultra marathon runner. As, you know, Pastor uh, Adam maybe mentioned last Sunday, there's cars already, but she's still running. You know, he's like running. His regular run every day is like 10 kilometers. It's just his warm up run, okay? And he did that during the retreat. Anyway, so. It didn't say run with God. It didn't say jump for God. It didn't say sprint with God. But it actually just said walk with God. You know, when you walk, you can actually still talk. When you run, you're catching your breath. It's hard to talk with someone when you are both at a running pace. But walking with God, it's a nice straw. You know, from time to time, uh, me and my wife, and sometimes my daughters would accompany me. And we would walk around the village. And we would just, uh, I, like after dinner, we would talk, we would walk, we would dream, we would actually just chat while walking. And, uh, you know, when you walk, you, actually, you, you, have, you have to keep pace with the people that you're walking with. I'm trying to imagine Moses when he was leading the people, I know, close to two million people out of, the, out of Egypt into the promised land. Can you imagine the pace of Moses should be the same pace as the last person in the line? No one gets left behind. That's the concept of walking with a person. I ask uh, my daughter if I can share this story. When we were in uh, Nagoya, we actually went to this store called Daiso. You're familiar with Daiso here, right? But, you know, the Daiso in that particular building was kind of like huge and wide. And so I told my daughters, okay, mom will go to the household section. I will just stroll around. And actually, Anna went out, no, went and looked for, like, supplies for school. And Andrea uh, decided to tag along, okay? Uh, As I was walking, she was walking as well. But as I was walking, she eventually was gone because I guess she, she got distracted, you know, looking at other stuff as well. And so I didn't realize that she's no longer walking with me. How many of you that sometimes when we walk, we can get distracted with things? When you get distracted, you stop, and then you get left behind. And so what happened was, I was walking around still, you know, like looking for some stuff. And eventually, I looked for Shirley in the, I know exactly where it was, household kitchenware section. And I found Shirley just like that. And I carried Shirley's loot, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, things, stuff, and so I was walking with her, and uh, eventually, Anna 
found us. And we asked Anna, where's Andrea? And she said, she's just there. I said, where is there? Just there. Okay, so we're about to pay. And as we were approaching the counter, we heard a voice. Mommy! She finally found us. Where were you? We said, you know, we were just in that particular corner in the kitchen section, in the household uh, section. We told you where you could find us. But I went there and I did not find you. I said, we will never leave you. We'll, ne we'll never leave you. Because, you know, in, in Japan, how many of you, you know, Japan is safe. You can actually leave a cell phone on the table in McDonald's or in Starbucks. After an hour, you'll still find your cell phone there. So I said, if I can't lose myself, I'm definitely not going to lose my daughter in Japan, I, I think. And so I said to Anna, uh, to Andrea, don't worry, you're in Japan. And then she looked at me, that's the whole point, Dad. We are in Japan. We're not in Manila. If I get lost, I don't know where to go. I said, oh, nga naman, no? But the whole point is, eventually, yeah, we, we were together. But the whole point is sometimes in our walk with God, we can be distracted. We can actually miss out, miss the way. But how many of you know that eventually God will find us and He will restore us back in fellowship and in our journey with Him? It's all about the walk. It's all about the journey. It's not about this destination. Ultimately, we know where we're heading. But the Bible somehow has emphasized that, you know, it did not say, and Enoch finished the race. And then it pleased the Lord. No. It was said there, he just walked with God. He walked with God. How easy is that? If you go tomorrow to your office and you have a meeting, that's walking with God. If you're traveling and driving along the busy traffic of EDSA, that's driving with God. No, that's, that's walking with, that's part of walking with God. It's a journey. It's doing the mundane routine of your life. It is walking with God. You know, the first person who actually had a verified walk around the earth is Dave Kunst. He is actually a Guinness Book of World Record holder. He actually walked four continents, 13 countries. He used 21 pairs of shoes. He walked about 14,450 miles Equivalent to 20 million steps. And he finished that walk for about four years, almost five years. He's part of the Guinness Book of World Record. He's called the Earth Walker. He actually carried a torch in the 1996 Olympics and he was ultimately given the Guinness Book of World Record Award in 1997. But apparently, as he walked around the earth, he didn't finish this walk alone. There were people who helped him in this walk. He had three brothers, there were four mules, there were two dogs, and there's an Australian school teacher who actually helped him finish his walk. And how many of you know this life called Christianity, our walk, you cannot finish this race alone. We need one another. We need the help of our brothers and sisters. We need the help of our spiritual family. When we are down and out, somebody can actually lift us up and say, Kaya mo yan. We can all walk together. I can slow down my pace or I can walk with you. 
And I'm glad that I have brothers like that. I'm glad that when I am encouraged, I can encourage somebody. And I'm glad that even when I'm down, I can actually be encouraged by another person. In Amos chapter 3, verse 8 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. And how many of you know that it's difficult for you to walk together if you are in disagreement? If you are enemies? Have you tried walking with your enemy? It's hard. But if you are married to that person, not, not, not your enemy, okay? But if you're married to a person, even if sometimes you have disagreements, how many of you know that disagreements are just a normal part of the walk, but eventually you will be restored into fellowship? It's possible for you to walk holding hands together without seeing eye to eye. Ganun lang muna kaya. But eventually, it'll be well with both of you. Walking with God speaks of relationship and intimacy. Enoch was so intimate with God, God had to take him with him already and said, you belong here, my son. And also walking is not about perfection, it's about progress. That's the example of what walking is like. Walking, does that mean that you've already perfected it? You're already like Christ, but it's about your progressive walk with him. And all of us are in different paces with each other. Some of us are walking fast. Some of us are walking slow. But we're walking in the same direction. It's all about progress. And we need to encourage and spur one another daily in order for us to be able to finish the race strong. Walking always implies habit. And that's what walking is all about. Walking is just having a regular routine in your life. It's about reading God's Word. It's about having a devotion with Him. It's about having regular, you know, time of just reflection. And that's why I appreciated that pastor's retreat uh, so much because it was not packed with a lot of activities. You know, I went out there and I didn't have to think about church. Of course, I think about my family, but somehow, yeah, we just connect, we FaceTime, but for the rest of the time, I just enjoyed my time with the Lord. It was, and how we all wish that we can have that every week or every day. But how many of you know it's hard to disappear from your work every day? You have to come back. But yet you've got to develop a habit wherein you can actually nurture this devotion with God by hearing His voice, uh, fasting, you know, uh, reading the Word, worshiping the Lord, coming to church. These are all basic habits that we have that enhances our walk with God. It takes great faith to walk with God and faith, uh, faithfully and please Him. I'd like to ask the music team to join me here upstage. You know, walking with God, pleasing Him, and being part of the hall of faith. Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. It is possible to please God just by walking with Him faithfully every single day. Not letting go of His hand, not letting... Go of the sight of who God is in your life, believing in Him, pleasing Him, walking with Him. Just like Enoch, we can actually do this thing if we have people walking this race with us. One final scripture, and then we're going to close. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Walk in Him. Walk in Him. It's still about a walk. 
As I said earlier, many of us started this race, most of us started this race called Christianity. We have salvation. And we will not lose the fact that we will finish this race also in faith by walking with God. Have a consistent walk with the Lord every single day. Just walk with God. And you will notice that tomorrow is gone, the next day is up. And then walk with God again. And then it's finished. The night is coming and it'll be gone again. Daytime is here. And then walk with God again. What's good about this walk every single day is as you wake up in the morning, the Bible says in Lamentations, His faithfulness and His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. And we don't walk empty-handed. We actually walk with a heart full of faith, trusting in the God who called us so that we can all just finish strong. Whatever it is that you're believing for this year, it may be a better health. It may be healing for a loved one. It may be healing in relationship. It may be a better marriage. It may be a new job. It may be a new house. It may be having children. It may be having your significant other, whatever it is. As you believe God for these things, don't lose sight of the one who blesses us. Just remember this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because He who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Don't lose sight of the face of God. Don't focus on His hand. Focus on His face and focus on His heart. Then you will have what you pray for. Ultimately, we inherit not just things. The greatest gift we'll ever receive is God Himself and His presence in our life. Let's just bow our heads right now and let's close in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for this time together. As, Lord, I pray for those of us here who are believing for, Lord, miracles in their life. We thank you, Lord God, that though it may seem impossible with us, we declare that nothing is impossible with you. And we thank you, Lord God, that we can look beyond our situation and we can still believe God for a mighty miracle. But Lord, as we are believing for a miracle in our personal lives, in our family, in our finance, in our health, in our relationship, whatever it is, I thank you, Lord God, that you have called us to ultimately first to just believe in you, second to please you in all things, and third to just walk with you. And I thank you, Lord God, that this walk will be a sustainable, faithful, consistent walk by your people. Bless everyone, God. Thank you, Lord God. May your name be honored and be glorified all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing a lot of praise. You just heard a podcast from Victory. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at victory.org.ph or like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash victoryph.